there's an extensive amount of work that you need to do from, from that point where you get a property under contract to the point where you actually purchase it. If you don't do this stuff, you can get lucky, everything will be great, mm -hmm. no problem at all. Or find yourself in a situation where you just bought a property that was someone else's problem or is not quite worth what you thought it was. Welcome to Turning Profit, a podcast for people that love real estate. Learn the business models and skills that professional real estate investors use to make money and build wealth. Visit turningprofit.com for a wealth of investor resources. And now, here are your hosts, Pete and Heather Reese. Welcome to the Turning Profit Podcast. Heather, it's so great to be here once again. Yeah, this is exciting. Um, until about 10 seconds ago, I had no idea what we were talking about. That's okay. You're just a talent. You just show up. Right, or just the moderate. I feel like I'm just actually Pete's, um, what, what would be a good word for that? Corraler? Okay. I don't know. Something like that, right? Okay. Sometimes you are. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you are my corraler. Mm -hmm. So what are we talking about today? And then I have a couple things to add that I haven't told you. Okay. About. Well, the topic of today is actually a really good one and a very valuable one. If you are into real estate investing or land flipping specifically, we're going to be talking about how to research a property. Now, this is not initial research, not surface level type stuff. This is the stuff that we do where our exact game plan of what we research on a property after we get it under contract but before we send the money to actually buy it. It's called due diligence. It's it's everything that goes into making sure that it's actually a deal, if it's actually owned by the person who says they own it. Yeah, there's a, uh, there's a lot of things that you really, you know, and I didn't understand this at first. I had taken a training program and there was kind of very little- Are you talking about like Carlton Sheets? No, no, and, you know, <laughs> about land flipping, but it oh, was- Oh, you're talking about this century. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this century, Heather. You're on today, boy, Thank this you. is- I better be, I better sharpen up my I know, you better watch uh, tongue yourself, here. Huh? Uh, yeah. So this is, you know, this stuff was kind of grayer. There wasn't a lot of talk about this type of thing. It was kind of like, hey, get the property under contract. That was the big thing. And then it was like, and then close it. But really there's, there's an extensive amount of work that you need to do from, from that point where you get a property under contract to the point where you actually purchase it and, and send the money to buy it. Because if you don't do this stuff, you can get real lucky and every, you can get lucky. Everything will be great. Mm -hmm. No problem at all. Or you could get very unlucky and find yourself in a situation where you just bought a property that was someone else's problem or is not quite worth what you thought it was. And you either lose money or you're wasting your time on, on not making any money just to resell the property. So this is a very important part of the process. And if you don't do it right, uh, you know, you might suffer the consequences. So not to be overly dramatic, but. OK, so we're going to talk about everything to hopefully save people from making huge disasters is pretty exactly. much what it is. We don't we don't want you making uh, a big mistake that's going to cost you money or cause you problems or just or waste, waste your time. time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's legit. OK, so I want to talk on two things. First of all, I'm so upset Jimmy Buffett died. I need to acknowledge that. Mm, I know yes. you weren't as into it. So if you are. I'm still sad. And the second thing is, I, when I was kind of like going through, sorry, that was a big thing, Jimmy Buffett dying. Yeah, I, I don't that's mean unfortunate. Just like, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett was the man. I know, right? And just yeah. super, I know Pete's been really feeling it. Well, you're you're more of a Jimmy Buffett fan than me, but I do like his music and I do like everything that he, he kind of stood for, you know, just to live a good, happy life, you know? Right, and you know, thing. he was worth, he had built up his company to a billion dollars. Yeah, crazy. Right. And he had houses all over the place. And um, there's just a lot of things like a hard worker. I told that one that story about the how his daughter wrote something about like the blender. And I guess was it South Park or I don't know, one of those joke kind of cartoon ones made fun of it. And he like stopped and she was like reading it to him. And then she was kind of, I don't know, embarrassed or some sort of emotion. He was like, stop it. That like they can make fun of it all. The Margaritaville blender yeah, yeah. makes them, you know, yeah, that, like, pay for their entire lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. Like that that covers your whole lifestyle. And I was like, that is so funny. But I think that, that a lot of times that people that get into real estate are kind of thinking the same thing. Like, I'm going to do this to support my family, you know, and one pe one property, the right purchase could actually support your descent. You know what I mean? It could be a legacy for your family for years to years to come if you held it and you, you know, maintained it right and you were smart about everything. Yeah. yeah and it sounds like he was like pretty good business person. I mean, a billion dollars is what it, I think a lot of people think of him as just kind of not just like kind of easygoing, not much there, but there was like something a lot deeper, but he obviously had a plan, but he didn't take anything too seriously. And like, I'm trying to like gleam some of that, like, you know, when we're making decisions, it's, you know, it, it should be, uh, your life should be like he did a song and, but I don't know, what do you have to add? Well, I would just say what I find is really interesting when you really look back on things is he really, 
business wise, he really blew up like after 50, you know, like oh, yeah. 55, probably like he really started building his empire. Where then. he started getting into the actually in our other life, we promoted, we stayed at his Margaritaville Hotel. Yes. So we, we had been invited there. Beautiful, and, by the way. Yeah, that was really yeah, cool. In Hollywood, Florida. Mm-hmm. And then we also did the bikes. Remember, there was like Jimmy Buffett themed bikes that had little parrots. Oh, yeah. Margaritaville. Okay. Mm-hmm. It had little like, um, parrots on it and it had like a cozy for your beer which and it also had a a beer bottle opener yes on the the bike on the bike yeah that's that's too funny so but so he thought bigger than just and i think that's another thing with the real estate is that you the profits that you use that you make from this you can then put into something that lasts longer because this is like you're flipping it you're moving the the short term the land flipping stuff right and then you put that into something and you know so he wasn't just his concerts he had like a a longer thing and every single person that's posted anything says he was just the nicest guy i think everyone says that about you too you're just the nicest guy well to be mentioned in the same sentence as jimmy buffett that's that's pretty great thanks heather yeah you're welcome um you've now peaked right yeah that's right nowhere to go but down i know um and you know his whole thing words is a segue to this but he was a, a words person, right? He was kind of like a modern day poet, but he liked to drink and do whatever else he did that gave him that, I don't know, the liquid courage kind of okay. thing. But it kind of, when I was in, in the land conquest group, which you can talk about in a second here. Um, community. Community. I'm sorry. Yeah. Ooh. Words matter, Heather. You're, and that's what I normally say. Thank you very much for turning the tables on myself. But communication, like he was big and he communicated things that kind of went farther beyond that. And in the community, I've noticed that there's a lot of People get the deals under contract and then they don't keep up with that communication with the bu- with the seller. Yeah. And I think that that's like a lost opportunity. I don't know. Maybe you can touch on that for a second. Like, yeah, what happens at that point? Like you think, oh, I got this signed. Yeah. Well, you know, all kinds of situations come up if you're not communicating. You know, first of all, there may be other investors that are reaching out to them, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a higher price or just want to buy it or something like that. And if you don't communicate with your seller along the way then they may be in a situation where like, well, maybe this just investor just doesn't. You may be working behind the scenes to get something closed, doing all your research, everything like that. But if you're not communicating and just staying in touch with that seller, uh, they may go off in a different direction just because they didn't realize that maybe what, you know, your one phone call or a couple emails or whatever to get a deal wrapped up, maybe they just didn't consider that serious enough that like maybe they they just didn't didn't think that you were actually going to close the deal. So they're just working on another avenue, maybe at that point. But have you ever run into a situation where they've signed two, two people sent them agreements? Mm, yes, and they signed both of them. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the one, the one was I found out about it because you know we signed a purchase agreement with the seller, and then I found out about it because you know we asked this broker that we dealt with in this area, you know, to give a, their opinion on it, and they gave he gave his opinion. Uh, a week or two later. He contacts me again. He's like, oh, are you not buying that property anymore? And I was like, no, we're we're buying it. And he said, uh, another investor approached me and, and was looking for my opinion on this property as well. You know, and apparently this seller had signed with another investor for a higher price and than what we were going to pay. And they just assumed that they could just sign just keep signing them yeah just keep signing deals and you know higher deals as they come along but you know in in reality that doesn't fly in real estate you can't just arbitrarily as a seller just just cancel a deal Mm -hmm. the flip side of that is we use a very basic standard one-page agreement which is easy much easier to get signed uh they're not state specific in any way so push came to shove legal situation or whatever, you might not be able to enforce that depending on the state, depending on a lot of different factors, but maybe de- depending on how far you want to take it and how far you want you know, to take it, you know, because you could pr- maybe get it. I mean, it is a contract. We're buying this, whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like, how far do you want to take this? Right. And that's what you kind of have to ask yourself. You have to weigh yourself. Do you mm-hmm. want to get involved in a big legal battle over mm-hmm. some sort of situation that, you know, in reality, if you spend your time on something that's, you know, finding other deals, what would you Jimmy know? Buffett do? <laughs> he would probably just move on and say, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, there's always another deal around the right. corner. There is a, there mm-hmm. is always another deal around the corner. It's infinite. There are always deals right. around the corner. And people get stuck in that scarcity mindset where it's like, this is the deal I have. I can't let this go at any cost. Yeah. And that kind of segues nicely into what we're talking about today. Like the research on the property is, is really, really important. Oh, yeah. But mm-hmm. you also have to, when you discover something that's not perfect, you also have to really listen to those signals and, and not just get in that scarcity mindset. Like, What's hey, this is my deal. Like, say? 
Don't force a deal. Don't force a deal. That's exactly what I was trying to communicate. It's a very, mm-hmm. very good way to put it. That's Heather. what I always say. Because anytime you've come to me, you're like, well, and I'm like, you're just looking for me to tell you no. Right. Like, don't force a deal. If you have a lot of deals coming in, though, you'll find yourself easily saying, uh, that's too much trouble. Let's move on. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. No, it's not worth the hassle. It's not worth the down. And, and then it also gets into the how we've talked about it before. Is this an investment or is this a gamble yeah speculation or or an investment right. you know like do you have the data to back up what you think this property is worth or is it kind of like a shot in the dark you think you can get that for it okay so really really quick we'll just touch on this we have a community where do they find that oh and what land, is it landconquest.com so okay. landconquest.com it is our community our no cost community you can get in there by just going to landconquest.com hitting any of the orange buttons and in that community, we actually have a full land flipping training program, like everything, A to Z, everything you need to do from beginning to end, all kinds of our documents, our letter that we send out, spreadsheets, everything we use to run our business mm-hmm. essentially is in that training program. We show you how to do our entire business model. And that's at Alfred at no cost to everyone in the community. Like it's in the, there's a, once you get into the community, there's a tab that says classroom. And if you go in there, it's all there. And I spent, mm-hmm. you know, six, eight months putting this all together. I mean, a lot, a lot of work. And my whole mantra that whole time was, you know, all my knowledge I had about land flipping, everything I learned was all going in there. I wasn't holding anything back. There's nothing that's held back in there. Right. And, I, and, and, and then, then we'll touch on why is it free mm-hmm. or at no cost. It's because we have other ways that we can make money. Yes, exactly. Off of this. Um, and some people are going to take us up on those offers and, and we'll be fine. We still have the land flipping company itself. Which is doing very well. Right. So. so we don't need to worry. You know, don't worry about us. We'll be fine. Um, but we wanted to offer something like that. And then people who want, you know, that that are ready to take it to a whole new level. We'll have something for you where you can do that with. Yeah. Well, do you want to get into that? Well, I don't want to get into too much of it, but we've actually made some giant steps in that direction. Mm -hmm. And I I can't share too much at this point, but it's going to be awesome. That's all I can say. It's going to be awesome. It's not going to be, it's not going to be at no cost, but if you're the type that you need uh, some more assistance in order to get your want, it. A lot of people know that they learn better in different, with different ways. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I learn different than you do. You watch videos. So anyways, we're going to have something for you. Yeah, coming soon. So stay uh, tapped in on the community and you will get all the details of that as we release things. And then as long as I remember, at the end of this, we're going to talk about how they can see your 51st deals, that they can see your income reports. We'll let them know how to do all that kind exactly, of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and where to find you on social media, which actually it's where are you on social media real quick? Well, I'm on Instagram mm-hmm. at, at Reese Peter. Mm-hmm. Also YouTube, our YouTube channel. We put post a lot of content there these podcasts, as well as other videos. And that is uh, just at Turning Profit on YouTube. Yeah. And if wherever you're listening to us or watching us, make sure you're subscribed right now so that you don't miss the next one's coming yeah, out. Yeah, you can't miss that would be that would be devastating. Pete would cry. Um, OK, yeah. so we um, what was that song we were listening to in the car by the cure? It was like something boys don't cry or something. I don't know. It was yeah, funny. Mm-hmm. I was like trying to listen to it. And I was like, I'm lost, but whatever. Boys can cry. I don't care. So let's talk about today's Sorry. I know. I'm getting emotional. <laughs> I, I make you cry all the time. I know. I'm, I'm a mean yeah. person. Mm-hmm. So you, Pete gave me cheat sheets like he normally does, and he has it broken down into four main categories of research. Yeah. This is what you do after contracts. So. Yeah. This is, we're talking about the stuff that after you get under contract, you get a purchase agreement signed between you and a seller agreeing to a specific property that you're buying at a specific price. Mm-hmm. Then you, uh, you start this research process to basically confirm that it is what you thought it is. Right. And, you know, you have it broken down. Can I read the four different breakdowns? Sure. But break it down. Yeah. Read them. I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, one of these not so big, but actually if any of these kind of fail the sniff yeah. test or whatever, that's a gross saying, by the way, it would be a no go. So mm-hmm. you have on site. So you have someone that actually physically goes and takes pictures. They see it. And if it's underwater for the most part, that's a no go. Like if there's some, yeah. or if it's on the side of a cliff, we'll yeah. get into all of it. Mm-hmm. Broker opinion, which can be from an agent or a broker can do an opinion. It's just called a, a broker opinion. It's broker price opinion. BPO is what they've called it before. If they come back and say, this is absolute crap, that's a deal breaker or some other things. Title report, it comes back and it's like, give me come a quick thing, a title report, that would be a no. Air situations, you know, like the person that we're under contract with doesn't actually own it or they own <laughs> a partial a interest in the property, uh-huh. you know, but then there's, you know, 50 other relatives that own a piece of the property. Would you ever do it if there was like five people, four want to sell, one doesn't, you buy out the other four and work on the fifth? No. Thank you. No. No, never. <laughs> what am I going to do? Share the property with the with the person? Right. That yeah. person will never, no. 
Yeah. No. And then the due diligence report. What's something on there that would... Want to learn the secret to building a thriving land flipping business? Head on over to landconquest.com and join over 2,000 passionate land flippers leveraging the power of community to scale quickly. Sign up for free at landconquest.com. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, so say we called the county and the county said, oh, oh, you want to buy the old dump site over by, uh, you know. We're so excited. Those, over on those Smith Road. Those drums that went yeah. one mile down to the center of the yeah. earth. Yeah, I'll tell Thank you, you I've got a contact you need to reach out to. They, he wants to talk to you, the guy over at the EPA. He'll meet you there in hazmat. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for ta- for doing this for yeah, our community. Yeah, this really helps. Yep. I wish we were joking, but like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that can actually can happen. Ha- that can happen, yeah. Yeah, there's a, down in San Diego, there are some hotels. I think it's Shelter Island or whatever. That used to be an old dump. Mm. So anytime someone's like, oh, I really wish they would do something like that. They're like, listen, that that's the highest and best usage. Like, no, yeah. you know, it's it's literally an old dump. And who knows what they are. Actually, almost ate the microphone. Back then, you also probably could throw away stuff that you can't throw oh, yeah. away now. Man, just throw away whole bottles of used oil and stuff like that. Right into the ocean. Yeah. Um, okay, so on-site. Let's talk about that. Yeah, on-site. Okay, so this is the first major category. Mm-hmm. On-site is our on-site inspection. Generally, this takes the form of a photographer going out to the property, a photographer that we pay to go out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it was in my backyard, maybe I'd go over and it take a look fun. at it myself. We would, yes. actually. But these are properties that we're buying all over the country. You may have a different strategy. You may be only buying stuff in your backyard. But we buy things all over the country, so it's not feasible for us to go check them out. I haven't talked Heather into the private jet yet. Working on it. So, <laughs> no, so, I guess you couldn't see that on video. So on-site is usually a photographer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a broker will that we're working with in particular area, we're volunteer to go over oh, there as some well. Some brokers actually really enjoy taking pictures and yes. using their drones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they're like, please do not hire someone. I want to do this. Exactly. Yeah. So so if a broker goes over there, that is actually one that we trust, really. That's actually better than a photographer because they're walking the property themselves. They know what they're they know exactly what that property is after they've been there and they know they could what they could sell it for and everything. So mm-hmm. If you find a broker that's willing to go over there and do that, that is great. And obviously, you generally don't have to pay the broker to do that at this stage in the game, which is also good. But many of the best ones are, first of all, they deal with a wide geographic area. Right. They may deal with half the state, and it's really difficult for them to actually get out to each of these well, properties in a timely manner. Right. Theoretically, you're going after these super busy agents. You want the ones that are just like that are very busy. Right. This is all they do. So that's not to say that some of them, like if it's really close, they might do it anyways. Right. It's kind of like a mixed thing. It's like, it's great if they'll do that. But on the other hand, it's kind of like, um, you don't want to pressure them to be spending all their time to do that. Cause what are they taking away from? Right. Yeah. At the beginning, I first, you know, my, my goal was to like, Hey, I tried to, I need to get a broker to go out there and walk each mm-hmm. one of these properties. I soon realized that that's not realistic. They've got their own schedules. They've got a lot, a lot of stuff going on. So getting them out there in the time frame in which I need to get that done, you know, typically we try to get these photos back, you know, between seven and 10 days. It's just not realistic. Right. Even so, that's too long. We need to cut that shorter. Okay, Heather. <laughs> get on it, Pete. Okay. A photographer, a broker, and then you review the findings. Yes. You ask follow-up questions with a photographer. That's interesting because you might be like, oh, what, what am I looking at here? You know, is this really... Is this really the side of a mountain? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, and some of these photographers are really good explanation. They draw these diagrams on the photos. You can really understand everything. They they include a report, which we always ask for a report of their findings. What was mm-hmm. this property like? And asking, uh, answering some basic questions. But sometimes you might see something in there that they wasn't mentioned in the report or something that you're just kind of not sure what this picture is that they sent over or what this video is. And just asking follow-up questions like, hey, how was the neighborhood? What did it feel like? You know, like, how was the access to the property? You know, like, see, these types of things are really important. Like, we're always looking for the access. Mm-hmm. If it's a wooded property, you know, like, what are these trees like? Or they've been recently cut down and it's just like really thick growth that you can't walk into. That affects the value of the property. Uh, what's the topography like? Is it, you know, like, uh, really steep? Is it uh a cliff on the property is it you know all all these different things we're also looking for red flags you know those drums of toxic waste that you were talking about the you know if anything like that shows up in the picture also home site locations potential places where someone could could build a home you know some properties have just such bad topography and bad access that it's really hard to imagine someone building a home on the property so you want to basically get that their perspective on that cuz 
it's hard. It's hard to really look at these pictures and videos and really try to understand what that that property is like sometimes. So, you know, well, so like a pad, you could see a pad or where a pad could be, but it turns out that that's not actually big enough for it might look like in the picture. And the other thing, too, is that if they don't include something, it could be just because that's what the community character is like the community. Like they didn't make note of it because that's normal for there. Mm hmm. You know, and you might not realize that if you're new to an area. And I think it's a pretty reasonable, you know, price range. What do you think? Around two to three hundred dollars for pictures? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's generally what we end up paying, you know, depending on the area, depending how far they have to go. Mm -hmm. You know, that's travel is a big thing for some of these uh, photographers. You know, the areas that are don't have availability of good drone photographers in that mm -hmm. particular area we might pay one to come from a neighboring area to go into that area but you know they've got expenses too it's got to make sense for them right. they've got gas they've got time all this kind of stuff so you know it's a case-by-case -case situation but yeah that you know i'd say 200 to 300 is a good good ballpark okay and i consider this knowing that these properties not all of them are going to work out Mm -hmm. It's kind of like buying insurance. It's kind of like you just have to write it into the cost of doing business. You might be saying, well, I'm sure it's fine because Google Earth or whatever makes it look fine. I drove it on Google Maps or whatever. It'll be okay. It's You're spending like a couple hundred dollars to make sure that it's like you're protecting your potential income. So, And that's the thing, too. And I don't think that gets talked about enough in, in the land business is that not every one of these properties works out. We would sell a lot more properties if they did. Right. But the problem is that at least if you're going to be smart about your purchases, you're not going to move ahead with problem properties that have problems. In a lot of these situations, you either identify title problems that can't be worked around, or you might uh, encounter some sort of site-specific problems or some sort of problem with the property that you just didn't anticipate and it's just not going to work. Right. I think that we, I don't know if we're unique to this, but we kind of just accept that that's, in the beginning, I was like, oh my gosh, we're wasting my, wasting mm -hmm. all this money on these things. And, and I kind of had a flip thing thinking, you know, it's insurance and it's just, it's the smart way to do it. And I think that, you know, we do offer your partner with Pete program, you offer the same kind of thing where you do all of this stuff to it. And on the flip side, we have people who want to invest with us to make money, you know, and that's why they like working um, with us, specifically you, because they know that your standards standards are high. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going into it buying anything. You're okay. Yeah, you're going to lose a little bit of money on a deal that doesn't close, but it's already accounted for. We already go into it knowing that that's that's right. a cost. It's not like, oh no, we've just lost $300 or $200 or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think doing it like we do like this makes people who want your help paying for their deals, the invest, the partner with Pete deal. But, and then on the flip side, people who are like, Hey, I need, I need to be investing this cash that I have. They're also comfortable for the same reasons. Exactly. Yeah. We try to dot all our I's and cross all mm -hmm. our T's. We're not perfect. I mean, I'm as close as you're going to get. And in reality, I mean, I tell you that all the time. No, I'm not. I'm far from it. But what I'll I say you're, you're pretty close. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Heather. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. So, um, but no, we we do try to to really run down all of these things and just do our best and kind of make sure that what we're buying is what we think we're buying and that there's no red flags that pop up. So. Okay. And since I just said it, can you just what the Partner with Pete program is? Oh, Partner with Pete is our innovative program. Oh, and innovative. You can, okay. you can find it at partnerwithpete.com. When we were crafting this program, we decided to, to go this route to kind of solve a couple problems. Mm -hmm. As a land investor, one of the big issues that, you know, matter, no matter what stage you're in is funding the deal, like buying having the money to actually buy these properties. Mm -hmm. So you can either buy these properties yourself. You could also borrow money from a rich uncle or something like that. Or you could go to partner Where's with Pete. Where's my rich uncle? Huh? I don't know. You've got some couple rich uncles. I'll or you can out. go to uh, partnerwithpete.com and I'll be your money partner on the deal. You'll be basically. the rich uncle? And, and not just, huh? Yeah, yes, I could be your rich uncle. But it's not just the money partner, but also doing all this stuff right. that we're talking about. You, you know, your rich uncle gives you some money, loans you some money theoretically to do this and you pay him back a percentage or whatever, but he doesn't have this. He doesn't have a whole team behind him that can execute what we've been using and fine tuning for all this time. So, yeah. So it's not just this research mm -hmm. stuff. It's like the transaction, closing the deal, doing the marketing side, finding you know, the right, real finding estate agent. the right real estate agent to, to resell the property, negotiating deals Getting taking the, the risk too. Taking like if, all the risk. There's you know, no risk for the investor. Mm -hmm. Like once you work with us on this deal, like basically all that risk is on us. All the money, all this due diligence costs, everything like that. We bear the brunt of that 100%. 
But at the end of the day, we split the profits 50-50. So it's a win-win. You know, we actually um, uh, get 50% of the profits. You as the investor get 50% of the profits. And I, I think it's a really innovative program. And we've had like a, I mean, just kind of mentioning on the podcast and in our community. Yeah, because we haven't and actually promoted it. We haven't really that. done anything yet with it. And we've got, uh, I don't know, plenty of deals uh, going with this. Mm -hmm. And I, I assume there will be many, many more. And so. then on the other flip side, if someone wanted to, they've got cash that they need to. Mm, yes. Know. Yeah. Like if you if you've got um, money sitting around in a self-directed IRA or any sort of funds that you want to dedicate and, and you uh, want to get a higher than normal interest rate that, that you're paying at the banks and stuff like that. I do take on some private lenders for some of these deals and uh, just reach out. I think lender.turningprofit.com. You can go there and see kind of what the basic structure that I have. We don't really there, talk so. about that much either. It's mm -hmm. not a big thing, but we realize that people were reaching out and we were like, okay, well, we can at least keep like a yeah, list. Yeah, we tried to structure things so it's a win-win for both, both sides as well. So, so. yeah, if, if that's of interest, you can reach out. Okay, so we covered on-site. Now let's get into broker opinion. Okay. You write broker opinion. I still call them BPOs or broker price opinions. Sure. So go ahead, take it away. Okay. Well, another big thing, you know, we did the on, we went through the on-site. The next thing is the broker opinion. We always have to have a broker opinion in order to move forward with the deal. Now, the broker opinion is basically the local land agent or land broker giving their opinion of what they think they could sell the resell the property for. And we're very specific when we give them those instructions. We're not looking for a retail, like a full retail Top you know, dollar, six month yeah. type thing. We're looking for a value that we can re reasonably achieve within 60 to 90 days, like sold, done. We did a whole know. podcast on finding an agent because it's, we did. Um, it's not easy. You can't just call up like you don't just. I almost said open the yellow book pages, but is that even a thing? In some yellow areas, pages. I'm sure. And it is. You can't just, it, you're not looking for just, you know, a regular agent. You're looking for a specific one. So find that one. What's it called, do you think? Do you remember? How to find the best land agent to sell your property. Okay, Something so, like that. So listen to that one. We'll go more into that. Anyhow, so it's a big part of our process. Mm -hmm. We want a local, because like we mentioned, we're in California here. We're buying mm -hmm. properties all over the country. We don't know these local markets at all. Like we have no clue. I mean- I do have a clue because I've, I've right, bought so a lot of properties in a lot of these areas, but but each area each each area is different. So it's really important for us to have an experienced local agent or broker give their opinion on what they think they could resell the property for. Now, obviously, we're not holding them to this opinion or anything like that. It's just simply we're looking for their opinion. We want an honest opinion. We don't want them to give us some sort of inflated value for them to just get the listing. I mean, we're kind of upfront with them. They're like, hey. We're planning to give you the listing. So I, I just want your honest evaluation on what you think this property is worth. Right. And OK, so back up to a story from I don't even know how many years ago when you were actually selling properties, luxury properties, this would happen. You would give an opinion and you were like you would give them the whole 30, to, you know, like different kind of price points to sell it, whatever. And then they'd say, oh, we're going to go with so and so. <laughs> and it would, and then you would see that's fine. Right. I mean. Yeah. So-and-so would list it and we'd be like, holy cow. Like you'd say it's worth 1.5. They'd list it at like 2.3. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's why. Oh, Joe, Joe said he could sell it for 2.3. Okay. Okay. Exactly. So then what would happen is it would go down, mark down, mark down, mark down, mark down. They would do like a 90-day listing, wouldn't sell. Then they would do a six-month listing. You know, they'd extend it again, didn't sell. Then guess what happened? Hi, Pete. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Pete. This It didn't sell. What can we do? Well, and most of the time, they're now have chased down the market. That 1.5 they could have got is now probably 1.4, 1.3, you know? Like, that's how we know how to do the pricing. And that's why it's so important to us. We don't want an agent saying, oh, I get, you know, if it's worth 100,000, say, oh, we should start at 150,000. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. No, no. You, we want someone who's going to tell us, like, right now, this is what it would take. Mm -hmm. And does it make sense with what we're buying it with to do it? So that's where that came from. Exactly. And it's super important, too, because... If you price it wrong, if you price overprice it and you're not paying attention to things, you're going to be this business is about speed. You know, mm -hmm. this land flipping business, you got to sell things quickly in order to be successful. Keep keep your money moving, keep your deals flowing, you know, like take your profits when you can and, and move on to the next deal. Right. And it creates a win win environment. The seller is getting their money fast. They don't have to deal with the traditional sale. We're going to make money. We sell it. 
So that person's getting a deal too. The agent's getting money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone's making money. Everyone, and everyone's happy. It's not, no one's like trying to. That's a big part of our process. Now, sometimes mm-hmm. always have to look at it too. Like, is this a new agent or broker you're doing with? Sometimes there's this feeling out period. And sometimes the, the initial person that you think you're going to go with in a particular area may not be the one that you actually go with in a particular area. The first thing is, does it kind of align with what you were thinking the value is worth? If it doesn't, then you may want to start asking questions or, you know, like, give me some data to back that up. Or Let's why see are the you, comps. Yeah. yeah, like, why are mm-hmm. you thinking this? You know, because we're looking at comps. They may be, have access to some different comps that we don't know about or some different information. But I recently just had this happen where, you know, we is a new area that we haven't bought and sold properties. And New Mexico? No. We talked to this uh, local agent, seemed great, and we sent over uh, one of the properties that we were under contract to buy to get their opinion, and they came back with a figure that was very low. Like, I, you know, I, I saw what things have sold for in that area. What Was it less than we were, were paying even? No, but it was. It would have been like a slight profit, but not really what we were thinking at all. And you know, I've, I've done this a little bit now, so I, I got a pretty good you feel, for, a feel for what, for things what was were. happening. Yeah. And he, he really lowballed it. And I said, oh, OK, I didn't realize the values there were so low. Can you, you know, like, what are you seeing that that makes you think that's right. priced? Right. There's some any comps or like, is there something about this neighborhood? Like, what, you know, what am I missing? Right, because it could be. It, right. it could be like, well, right. It's yeah. on the dump. It was and, a dump, you know. And I said, I was thinking we could sell it for this. And he goes, well, we can do that. I go, yeah, but like, what, what were you seeing? Like, why, why were you thinking so you much lower? You don't want lower? him just to agree with and you. And yeah. he, he never, he never really answered me on that. We had another one in that same exact area, so we sent them another property. Like this, this happened within you know days of each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we got a couple of properties in that area, and sent him another one, and it was the same thing. He really, really lowballed the price. You know, same thing. I came back to him. I said, hey, what are you seeing? What? Why is this? And then he sent me an email back. He's like, seems like you already know what you want to sell these things for. Instead of like having a, um, an unemotional business conversation, right. he was just like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, seems like you already know what you want to sell, sell these things for. So I don't even know why you're asking me. That was the kind of gist of the email that he sent. I'm glad he sent that though. Yeah, I know. Well, and I emailed, emailed him back. I'm like, hey, I'd love to sell it for this, but I am reaching out to you because I would like your opinion. You know this area way better than I do. Blah, blah, blah. Went into this whole thing and he never responded. That was a, a good thing that he responded right. that way because yeah. he outed himself as not someone I want to work, no, work no, with. No, not professional. Like no. our whole thing is, I know, I mean, I fight getting emotional on things. In a, you know, in a way, like someone cuts you off on the freeway. Like, why did they cut me off? They don't know me. They didn't cut me off. Right. I mean, they cut off a car that I happen to be in. It's the same kind of thing. Like this guy, that's just how he would have treated potential buyers, other agents. We don't, we don't do that. You know, even if you're having a bad day, even if you're, I don't know, he just didn't like you, whatever the reason is, that's just not how, I don't want to be in a business relationship with somebody who's so volatile and that can't just say, you're not saying, I think you're wrong. You know, why would you say that about my beautiful piece of land? You're Mm -hmm. mean. You're not, you're saying, okay, cool. I need to understand why, because I'm getting these way different values and I need to understand that, you know, so I can make sure that I'm making the right decisions when we're buying them. You weren't saying anything about him. You're just saying, I need to understand this. Exactly. I was very clear. Like, what am I missing? Right. What comps are you seeing? Back it up. Mm -hmm. Back this up. Like, and a normal response is, oh, hey, Pete. um, Okay. So I took a better look and you're right. I pulled actual comps and I think we can get that. Mm -hmm. Or, this part of town just sucks. That's what I was looking for. You know, it's, like if that's what he, it is, uh, yeah. It's, for whatever reason, these are why. And here's some comps that I, you know, and they, oh, they sit forever. And But if you get over on this side, you're better. Or this is just kind of what it's going to take to do a quick sell. And then you're yeah. like, okay, cool. This makes sense. Exactly. I, I know. I wouldn't have you know? like pushback. Said, We're going to sell it for this just because I think it should sell for that. I mean, no, no. I'm looking for their opinion. So mm-hmm. it, in that situation, we had to find someone else. Right. And we so. want long term. I don't want, right. you know, we're not playing games where it's like, give me an opinion and then I'm going to use Sue to sell it. You right. know what I mean? Like we want a long term thing where you know what you're getting. And the thing I hear over and over from the agents is like, man, I wish we had more people like you. You're so easy to work with. And try to be their best client. And responsive. Um, I was at uh, our daughter's school today and the principal said something. He was like, Communication or your words are worth more than gold. Boost your land flipping earnings with our new Land Conquest business system. It's designed for efficiency and effectiveness. This cutting edge software tool is your key to success in the land flipping industry. Streamline and automate your operations to scale your business to new heights. 
With our system, you get a customizable website with six professional templates to choose from, up to five dedicated phone numbers, each with their own chosen area codes for creating a trustworthy local presence. And as a bonus, you'll get a $25 credit for SMS and email sends. You'll also get access to our tech team to build any automations or customizations that you want. And not to mention, we've got a great dedicated community to the Land Conquest business system to help us all thrive together. And with every step of the way, you get our 24-7 live chat support. But that's not all. You'll also gain access to our exclusive community to connect and grow with fellow land flippers. Seize the opportunity to transform your business. Visit software.landconquest.com to check out the Land Conquest business system and unlock the next stage of your land flipping success. It wasn't to me. He was talking about something completely unrelated, but it stuck in my head because it's the whole commu- someone who is able to communicate a is worth, like we talked about at the beginning, how you got to stay in communication when you're buying properties, but you also need to be able to be in communication with these agents or brokers because they're they're an extension of you. There's not enough money that you can pay that would make up for somebody who's unable to communicate. Right. And uh, communicate appropriately as you've, right. as you've learned. And knows their stuff. <laughs> right, yes. right. And I think that's what it is. You uh, you poked, you stirred up something in somebody who d- didn't actually know his stuff. Mm-hmm. He yeah. probably just gets by with how, I have no idea how. Mm-hmm. But when you were actually asking him like, hey, help me understand this. And he was just like, oh, no, nope, you're attacking me. <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad, he, but again, I'm like, I am so thankful when people show who they really are. Yeah, at the beginning rather than mm-hmm. when you're in the weeds with, on the situation. Yeah. Or my other favorite thing is, and we talked about that one episode, but when you contact somebody, email them, text them, call them. And it takes them like four days to respond. They're not going to respond to somebody who wants to buy the property. Right. They no. won't. They, mm. they just won't. No. And that's, that is what it is. You know, um, a lot of agents have gotten, and this happened in 08. I don't want to say the word they've gotten comfortable, I think is what it is. Or they did get comfortable and they're tired, especially in like the housing market. You know, when you have the big up and everyone's crazy and you kind of feel like you're king of the world or queen of the world because you've got all this stuff coming to you and you're not doing much and and we're in a different market now. Mm-hmm. So they're either tired, which understandable, or they are still feeling um, it's like how some sellers haven't come down to reality on pricing. Yeah. Exactly. Anyways, just a little bit of a Heather tip. OK, so we've been through the on site category. Mm-hmm. We've been through the broker opinion category. Next category. You even said you wanted to talk about that. Yeah, That's I didn't hilarious. want to forget that story, so I put it on. The I didn't even shit. look at okay. it. I'm just so intuitive at grabbing. Yeah, kind of fit in well. I didn't that. even. I didn't even hear that one. I'm surprised because mm. you don't want me to get upset. You monitor my email, so I'd, I'm surprised you didn't see that one. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Title report. I, hey, I monitor your emails because if you're on a call or something, I can answer stuff. I don't monitor your emails to make sure that like. No, you help me. You right. Help but me monitor like that's like checking oh, your no, I thought you text messages. Read it. Oh, okay, like, yes. I don't do that. I trust you. Should I not? Should I start uh, monitoring? No, no, you don't need to look at them. Yeah. Okay. Title report. Yeah. Title report. So this is the other, the third major category that we look at and mm-hmm. it's just as important as all the others and it can cause problems or it can be completely clean. So what happens is when we purchase a, when we get under contract to buy a property, first thing we do is we open up that transaction with a title company. Now that could mean in different states, it could be an escrow company, or it could just mean an attorney that has a relationship with a title company. What they do is they do research on the property. They try to determine who actually owns the property Mm -hmm. and to make sure that the chain of title is good. Meaning that Frank sold it to Joe who inherited it from someone and you know like it it goes back so they're able to trace this from chain the, of title yeah from a certain time or the creation really right, yeah i don't the, know how i think in different states they have different criteria how right. far they actually are, are supposed to go back but they research that and make sure there are no problems mm-hmm. you know make sure there's no problems with the transfers with the paperwork something that would cause a cloud on the title meaning someone would question that right someone so, who owned it three times ago or a mm-hmm. descendant of them would say hey yeah we this, never sold it yeah yeah this this paperwork isn't right like we never mm-hmm. sold, we still own that property right you know? so you get title insurance and when you purchase these properties and the title insurance as part of that process they do this research because they don't want to get stuck with a claim from you mm-hmm. uh that they didn't do the research right or whatever. So they do the research because they're issuing a title policy. But and that research is very important. Right. Title insurance covers what you paid, not the fair market value of exactly. the property. What you paid for the property. Right. And it and it does other things like one time we were buying a house and we we got our title report back and it turned out that the lot line was like through the side of the house. Yeah. Yeah. So they in a previous transfer, mm-hmm. they had the legal description, which is kind of like the description of what it is you're actually buying. Mm-hmm. They forgot a paragraph 
when they put it on the new deed. So, so what happened was it wasn't transferring that whole additional that portion of, of, of the property. So unfortunately, uh, the daughter's bedroom was yeah. on someone else. So yeah. then it, it's not the title policy that we were buying. It was the previous or the owner, their title policy from yes. 20 years ago or whatever. Right. Yeah. So then it had to, you know, paperwork and it had to be mm-hmm. corrected and some sort of payoff had to have been done, I'm sure, yeah. in order to get this all cleared up. But it they, also goes into easements and sometimes, right? Yeah, easements are a big thing on there. So easements are one of those things that, we, you know, first of all, when we get a title report back, so we we submit this contract, we open this transaction with them. At some point, they're going to send back a preliminary title report. So this is going to be a report that kind of shows you what Here's their findings are on this property. Yeah, yeah. and there will be a section in there generally called exceptions. And exceptions are the important things that you generally want to read through. Can be all like standard stuff. It doesn't like we need sound to, like it though. Exceptions should be yeah, like it, the, you it, know. it should be like red flags or yeah. pay attention, like all in uh-huh. red, but it doesn't. So you got to look for the section that says exceptions and read through it. A lot of them are very standard things. Like you got to have this when we're selling, you got to have the seller sign this, and you got to have the buyer sign this, and we need their you know their LLC docs or you know all that mm-hmm. standard stuff. But then it comes down to the end. And the stuff at the end of the list is generally the most important things to keep in mind. And it could say something about referencing some easement that was recorded on this date or something. And it'll just have a note about that. And then you have to go back to the title company and say, what does this mean? Can you provide me the documentation of what this actually means? Look at that and make sure it's not some sort of weird easement or Make sure that whatever is recorded against that property is not something that messes it up. 90% of the property has this utility easement mm-hmm. and you can't build on it. Right. Okay. So even though you go out there and you're like, well, this is perfect. It's flat, perfect land or whatever. Or it could be, I mean, all sorts of things that you can't see with the naked eye. Title companies and escrow companies or title attorneys, whoever you're closing with, are actually a wealth of information. They can't, you know, if Pete and I are having a fight over a purchase, they can't get in the middle and say, Pete's right, Heather, mm-hmm. you you know, or they, they could say, Pete is always wrong. He's a real jerk. Heather, you're right. They're supposed to be impartial, right? But that doesn't mean that they you can't say, hey, I don't understand this. What does this mean? Yeah. And that it should always be your first thing to say, hey, what, you know, or I need more information. Can you put, and you'd be surprised what they can actually. Yeah. So anytime you have any questions about any of those things, you don't understand it. First of all, you ask them like what it means, mm-hmm. ask them for the documentation to back that up. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to go through those items, ask questions. You're not going to look dumb by asking these questions. I mean, a lot of times these line items on there are so ambiguous. Right. You have to ask because if you're just saying, okay, that's good. When you don't fully understand what it means, I mean that's that's right. that's and not smart. They're so different in different areas too. That's the other thing. Like you know, you think, oh, this is okay. Nobody does this, and it's like, no, wait a minute, that's completely different here. Yeah, we could spend multiple episodes on just reviewing title reports and stuff. But Actually, we should. There, we that should. could be that would be interesting, yeah. just because you kind of get used to it and they're not as scary because they give you such a huge stack of paper and you're like, yeah, <laughs> what? Are, you know what I mean? Where, are you going to read the whole thing? Yeah, I don't know. But it's important to really dig into these things. The mm-hmm. other thing that's important on there is the legal description, if it references a survey or something like that, you always ask them for a copy of that survey. If they can find it, sometimes they can't find it. Mm -hmm. It's not recorded in the county records. Uh, In those cases, you can sometimes even call the the surveyor that did that survey and get a copy of that. We've done that many times. Do they charge you like a copy fee? Most of them are cool and just send it to you. Wow, okay. They might fax it to you. So it's definitely not California. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, they so. might fax it to you. That's <laughs> yes. If they're still in business, most of them will send it to you. It's just kind of a part of their thing that I think they're used to used to doing. There's some crazy racist stuff in title reports sometimes too. Oh yeah, yeah. From so. especially like in the South and actually even here in California, we've read like they'll have disclaimers. And so don't be shocked by that. It's kind mm-hmm. of insane to read. We should pull up one of those too. Just yeah, some yeah, scary nuts. stuff. But it's interesting. It's good to get used to reading those and asking the questions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last major category. So we've got on-site, mm-hmm. broker opinion, title report. Mm-hmm. Last major category is a due diligence report. Now I, I lump a lot of things in this due diligence report. And basically it's a checklist of things. Do we that, offer that for everyone? Oh yeah. It's in the land conquest program for, for free. Yeah. Uh, we've got our checklist You've in there. You've included it. I yes. Know. All the questions. So basically what it is in this stage is we are calling or emailing the county, the city, whatever municipality is in charge of this particular area. We're asking them about zoning. We're finding out about buildability of a property. You know, like, are there anything that that they could see that kind of would stand away in the way of, of this property getting built on? 
they might say, oh, this isn't a conservation area. No one can build a house in this area. Or mm-hmm. they, they might say, oh, no, you're good. You just can't build mobile homes here. So like all these types of things uh, are important to figure out. We also check into access to utilities in this due diligence report. Right. Well, around here, there's you think, oh, there's a piece of land here in Southern California, but unfortunately, you can't have sewer mm-hmm. or you can't have water. Right. You have to get on a waiting list to get, you know, tapped get into a water the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like because who would have thought that? But it's amazing what you can just by asking that that they'll tell you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a guarantee because you're not having them do a full report. But for the most part, you can get a feel for it. It's like, oh, this might be a little tough. You know, it, it should be okay. It should it should perk. Then you're like, okay, I need to get a perk test. Or you yeah. know what I mean? Like, or oh gosh, yeah, I just there was just ten of them on this big piece. You're you know, you're fine. Yeah. Ask questions. People, they yeah. like to oh, share. Yeah. They their... love to talk. Yeah. You know, most of these people love to talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also email as well. So, you know, you know, sometimes some of these places respond better to emails. Yeah. I like that just because then you have an actual like. Yeah. I record. think a lot of people uh, overlook emails, but emails are a great way a lot of times to get this information. And they can easily send you documentation that way, too. Like, hey, what do you got in the file for this? Like we use that a lot with the environmental health departments, which mm-hmm. basically are in charge of like septic or wells generally. Mm-hmm. And we asked them like, hey, do you have anything in the file for this property? Like either a failed perk test or an approved septic system in the past? Or, you know, like, do you have anything? If you do, can you send it to me? They'll be glad to. So we've gotten things like that back where we didn't realize that a property already had an approved septic system. And that generally that's a, a big positive. Can we also so. talk about how much better it is now? Like 15 years ago, even you'd have to go down, you'd have to pay a fee. They would have to go find it. They would print it. They'd mail it yeah. to you to stand there. Now they. Or you have to look on microfilm. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think <laughs> that's readers. what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's uh, some of the title searches still happen that way. That's yeah, unfortunate. Them, yeah. Okay. Well, we need to say a, a word of thanks to all the title reps out yes. there, the t- title researchers. Right. But now if they can just email because most of the stuff's being digitized yeah. for the most part, mm-hmm. for the most part. Well, a lot of these counties, not so much. I know, I know. <laughs> They're um, not there yet. And my whole, uh, oh, like you I even said, have that on there. yeah, I, my, my whole checklist, everything in the Land Conquest uh-huh. program that we have, that we give away at no cost, as long as you are a member of the Land Conquest community. I had another couple additional mm-hmm. notes on here that I really wanted to point out. There's kind of two categories of land that, that a lot of land investors go with. They go with rural land, which is kind of, the five to 10 acre pieces kind of outside of the towns and the cities and, and everything like that kind of on the outskirts. Yeah. Of yeah. More, the more rural areas, right? Mm-hmm. Those properties generally can either be looked at as a potential building site, but also as a recreational property. So they're generally always going to have that use if it's a usable type property, you know, always going to ha- fall back to that. But at least you could use it for recreation, you know, whatever you're going to do. But these infill lots, the lots that are in a subdivision or they're in suburban area where there's smaller lots. And what are you going to do with the property if it's not buildable? Like archery. Yeah. You, I'm just no, kidding. Generally, unless, <laughs> Can you not, imagine your neighbors? A neighbor. In those cases where it's an infill lot, mm-hmm. it's really important to ensure that the property is buildable. Right. Because so, there's no other use. Yes. Because here's the deal. If you get one of the other ones and say you I mean, on the five to 10 acre lots, if you're buying it right, there's normally at least some spot to put some sort of house. But let's say there's not. There's people who do hunting, mm-hmm. boo, camping. You go, it's it's your family campground. Right. You know, even if you can't build it with like, like there's people that probably still do kind of like just those, like, I guess, hunting sheds or whatever, but like some sort of thing like that. There's, um, you grow trees on it. It could be farming. It could be, what am I, I mean, there's so many. You could many. be riding four wheelers. Right. Yes. Anything uh-huh. like that. You could do a Frisbee golf course. You could do a paintball course. You could do a ropes activity course. You could do mm-hmm. all kinds of things on these properties, but, mm-hmm. and people do, but there, there's other uses and other ways to use some of these properties besides, you know, you could do agriculture on these properties, right. all kinds of things. Anyhow. So just really make sure mm-hmm. on these infill lots, you, you got to really Dot your I's, cross your T's. It's more advanced, I think, in a lot of areas. You just got to really know what you're doing. And otherwise, you could get stuck with someone else's non-buildable property. You need to make sure that you can build. You need to make sure that you can get all utilities that are necessary in Mm -hmm. whatever is accustomed to that area. So if everyone's on sewer and it's a a small infill lot, you're not going to be able to put a septic. Even if you could put one of the like alternative ones, you're not – you. Don't do that because the type of buyer is not going to be someone who's going to be comfortable having to pump out their yeah. poop but, bin. But call the sewer company and, and make sure you yeah. can connect to that. Make sure they're not all stopped up or something. You know, like, I mean. <laughs> wow. I mean, no, wow. We're not, no. We're going what I mean, there. <laughs> what I mean is make sure that they let you connect to it. Right. And yeah. I mean, in writing, this is connectable. Email will be good. Yeah. Or, yeah, you know, 
that you can get water, that mm-hmm. electricity will let you attach to it. Like all of those things you have to, unless you're, you know, you're just doing a gamble thing and you're going to buy it super cheap and hold it for the next 50 years until, I don't know. Until they have a new technology where people don't. To use the restroom like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Okay. That sounds great. <laughs> um, I mean, but, serious, but in all, like not joking, like those, you have to have all that. Yeah. There's no room for error. There's no, yes. you know, because even if you buy one of these five to 10 acres and like something comes up and you can't build on it, there's a good chance that at least for what you paid, you'll be able to get out of it and someone will use yep. it for something else. Yep. That's the big thing. Are we ready for some questions? Yeah, let's dive into some questions. Now, these questions mm-hmm. are cherry picked or handpicked from our land conquest community. Are there going to be any like tongue twisters like last time? Like I, I tried to get, keep it simple for you this week, Heather. I couldn't get through that one and I still can't understand why. It was the words. I was like, I can't do it. Pete's going to have to read it. So anyways, we'll start with Juan. He talks about closing costs. Friends, I'm trying to get some idea how much should be allocated in his budget for closing costs. What would be a good percentage of based off the offer? Another thing, when we uh, sell the land, do we pay the closing costs too? This is exciting. I'll keep you posted, but there's some deals coming together and an alien face. Oh, okay. An alien face. I like that, but is there a meeting? Uh, I don't know. What kind of meeting? Alien meeting? What I are you don't know. About? He's, oh. it, he has a little alien emoji. Oh. Okay. All right. I like it. I don't know what that's for, but but what I do know mm-hmm. is that we're talking about closing costs. Now, on our offers that we send out, we offer to pay this, all the seller's closing costs. So he, we, we pay for the mm-hmm. seller side. We pay for our side. Now, generally, it's different from state to state. And it's different in each situation because sometimes there's back taxes you're paying and things like that. But as a rule of thumb, as a ballpark, I look at $2,000 in a lot of states. Sometimes I can get, you know, maybe $1,500 to $1,000 if I I know that it doesn't cost as much in a certain area. But I I generally estimate $2,000 on the buy side. Now, on the resale side, generally, it's each side is paying their own. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you work out a deal where you're paying the buyer's closing costs or you know something like that, but that's not the norm. The norm is that each side is paying their own, and generally uh, you can get away with a thousand on that side of things. Sometimes even a little bit less, depending on the area and the state and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes a little more. And you kind of write it into the offer when you're sending the offers out. You're you're already anticipating. Okay, I'm going to have about two thousand dollars in expenses. Right. So if I wanted to, if I wanted to be all in at forty five thousand, I'm going to offer them forty three. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's what you're looking at. It's just part of the thing. It would be great to not have to pay those things, but it's part of the business and it's a necessary part of real estate. You've got transaction costs. Right. And you just want the, the people to accept the offer based off of this is how much cash I'm going to get. Yeah. You don't want them having to do some weird mental, you know, you know you're going to have to cover closing costs because they're, they're thinking in their mind, that means to close this, I have to come to the table with $2,500 or maybe yeah, they think and it's, it's the unknown. And also it's um they might be thinking of closing costs when it comes to a house and thinking, Oh my God, my closing costs were $35,000 yeah. because they had other fees that are not, yeah. you know, it's just better to say this, is I pay all that. This is what you're going to walk away yeah, with. You're going to get this at the end of the deal. Mm-hmm. So make it easy. Okay. We've got a question from Bruce. It is titled death certificates. I have an odd situation. The title company handling one of my transactions is requesting death certificates from two previous owners. It looks like these people are the parents of the owner my seller bought the property from. So it's two owners back. In trying to get them, I have found that you must be a relative to order them. If I can't get them, I will have to change the title company and hope it doesn't come up again. Has anyone dealt with this type of request and how did you solve it? Any insight and help is appreciated. Are you looking for funding for your land flipping deal? Then head on over to partnerwithpete.com. It's an innovative new funding program where we split the profits with you 50-50, but we take it one step further and we handle every other step of the process in the land flipping business. Yes, that means we handle all the due diligence. If the property needs any value add like clearing brush, perk test, survey, we'll get that paid for up front. Then when the property resells, We split the profits 50-50. There is absolutely no downside for you as an investor. If we lose money, we don't pass that on to you. But when we make money, when we make profit, we split the proceeds 50-50. So as a recap, we handle every part of the process. We split the profits with you 50-50. There's no downside for you as the investor, only upside. So go to partnerwithpete.com, submit your deal there, and we'll get it checked out within 24 hours. Okay, so a couple things on this, Bruce. Mm-hmm. Number one, 
I always ask the title company, that's like kind of their job to mm -hmm. dig all this stuff and, and put all this stuff together. So the fact that they're trying to put that on you, I think is a little odd. Mm -hmm. So I would always push back and say, hey, you know, this is not, I don't do this type of I, thing. I'm not a death certificate. Right. You know, you know like if you need some help, you know, like with something, you know, I can see what I can do to help. But but can you try to track this stuff down? Because they have ways to get this mm -hmm. this type of documentation and they, they know the procedures to go through. So I would push back and, and definitely ask them to do that. If they refuse or they give you some sort of reason why they can't do it or whatever, I guess you could try to try to find it yourself and find some sort of workaround. But the other thing I want to point out is this sounds like a, like one of these type of situations where you have one title company that runs a title search on the property. They may come up with some sort of random thing like this that is like really hard to get a hold of. That's gonna, that's going to be a problem. It's going to cause you from from actually like closing on the property. They just don't want to do it, do they? Yeah, yeah. So they, you know, and it's whoever this title researcher is that looked at this. And there's a lot of things that are open for interpretation. So this has happened a lot. You know, a situation like this where they'll say something like this, where it's some sort of documentation or something that's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And what we do is then we take that and then we send it to another title company and it goes smoothly. Right. They don't even, <laughs> they don't even bring that up uh -huh. and they insure the property and everything like that. So I don't know if this is one of those situations that I did want to bring it up because that was kind of my first inclination. Like, uh, is this really an important thing or are they just trying to be difficult? And is this title researcher that is looking into this or they just don't get it? Yeah, they, they don't get it. But, you know, so we've done a lot of deals where mm -hmm. one title company wouldn't do it. They were very difficult about something. We send it to someone else and they just do it and goes off without a hitch. So always keep that in mind. It's interesting. I think the actual, like on a practical side, I've had to order death certificates before. And I think deaths are public record. It's the actual certificate is the issue. Mm. And there's different types of certificates. There's certified, there's other, you know what I mean? The title company should hundred percent be able to get that. Yeah. Like that is a legit business. You know what I mean? That's not like, it's like they're trying to hold it hostage. So I 100% agree with you, but I wouldn't fight it. If that's what they're asking for, I wouldn't even try to do it. Mm -hmm. Like I'd be like, nope, I don't do that. I don't want to get involved in someone, you know what I mean? Right, any yeah. of that? No, that's weird. That's their job. You're exactly. paying them actually. So Exactly. So Jesse says auctions. I was reaching out to realtors today and found one that runs real estate auctions. He said they do pretty well in our area. Of course, he would say that because he owns the auction. LOL. Has anyone went this route before? Pete. Oh my God, I have such um, like 2008 or 2009 vibes right now. It's 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 uncomfortable. Why? The auctions? Auctions. I feel like they that was like something that people were doing like in like um, when the market had kind of crashed, mm. they would do that. Mm. And I think it did work for a while. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I, you know, I track some of these things. I see these auctions happening and I see a lot of them where these properties sell for way more than they would on the on the open market, mm -hmm. you know, just on the MLS. So I think in certain situations, auctions can be a really viable method to resell some some properties. And I've mm -hmm. thought about it and I've talked to someone that has an auction company about possibly doing it for some properties. I'm kind of just waiting for the right opportunity to come up with ones that I think would be a great fit for it. And then we'll probably give it a try. I also know that it's kind of one of those things that if they if they do a good job, if they promote it right, if they if they've got its big list of potential buyers, if they do their job right, there's a potential that you could uh, sell it easily for top dollar. Now, I guess if they do their job wrong and they don't promote it right and everything like that, then you might end up taking a deal that's less than what you had anticipated. So they got to promote it right. Right. Well, I guess I'm I'm a cynic here. So cynic, yeah, I guess that's the right word. My question is, how much do you actually net? Are you going to net more after their fees? Because now we've got multiple people kind of getting a cut. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that he's not doing, like, it's not a flat rate. I bet it's a percentage. It, yeah, it's probably a percentage. It's probably more than than you would pay as a commission. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these uh, real estate auctioneers are, are brokers themselves. So they just charge a higher commission to account for their marketing and all that stuff. So, so. I'd want to see, okay, how much are you going to net? How many of them actually close? Mm -hmm. Because just because you win an auction, they might lose that. I'm sure they ask for like a deposit to even be able to bid. Mm -hmm. But like how many of them actually close? And then um, I had a third one. I can't remember. Yeah, but how, it was how really long does the whole process take? You know, I would, uh -huh. I would ask about that too. Like, because there's a ramp up period, they've got to get their mark, all their marketing in place. They've mm -hmm. got to send out mail generally. They've got to you know, do this whole hype period and then they have the auction and then there's the close period. So it could it could be quite an extensive amount of time. But, you know, all, all good questions to ask. I know a real estate agent that does really high uh, and luxury homes and their company, they all they do is 
this auction type right. thing. Right. I, I 100% see that. Mm-hmm. And I think that people that have that kind of expendable income, it's fun. Mm-hmm. So I think you're dealing with a couple different things. You're dealing with someone who likes to win. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with someone who needs that excitement. You know, you see celebrities that steal. Like they go in. We've talked about this a million times before. And it's like, why in the world would they do that if if you know that they actually have money? Because there's some that are celebrities but don't actually have money. But it's for that thrill. They're, they're trying to get. So I see a, in a luxury market 100%. Mm-hmm. Like that would be exciting. Everyone's going to know they won. It's the thrill of the kill, all that kind of stuff. But I guess the, the third thing I was going to add is that, yeah, we should try it. We're willing to try anything just for. Yeah. So we can share if it works or not. So yeah, I think I'm going to try be- it. I just wait for the right property to come up. Okay. Mm-hmm. It makes me nervous. Why? Because it's new. You know, I think would be a good one. Like if we get a large property, say, just as an example, 100 acre property that we split into six or 10 properties, something Mm -hmm. like that. I think an auction would be perfect for a situation like that. They could auction off all the different parcels. If you have one buyer that misses out on one, they've got another one, you know, like Mm -hmm. that type of thing. Premium ones, you try to auction that one off first. I'm sure there's a whole method to that, you know, but. I feel like you're trying to pinpoint me here so that like. Yeah, I'm trying to get it on, on tape. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, on, tape. we'll on tape, on tape. <laughs> we, we record these on VHS. Yes, tapes. on VHS. It, actually, I'm on beta. Thank oh, you. you're on beta. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I think we should try it. Yes. I think that's interesting. I don't see why not because the land is unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's either somebody is looking for a functional for like they need a, a land so they can put a, a lesser or at least. A cheaper housing option on it, mm. so they're a budget buyer. They're yeah. it's they have it focused, or this is um, a non discretionary purchase, kind of like they're going to build on it. It's an investment, or they're using it for recreation, which means they have expendable income. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Thank you for that question. Yeah. Okay. Um, Ken asks thoughts on this ten acre landlocked sloped litter box. <laughs> Laughing face. That's what I was like. Is this? That's why I picked this one. I thought that was funny. You should put like random stuff in here just to make me read it. But early on in my journey, I purchased this 10 acre plot of land in the Mojave County, Arizona. Wow, this is just getting better. Uh, It was part of a package deal. I didn't realize it was A, sloped a lot apparently, and B, landlocked. I tried to get someone out there to photograph it, but they weren't able to make it because of the access issue. It's sitting in an IRA. So that complicates things a bit. Yeah. Anyone else have land like this and that they were able to sell? I know someone once said there's a barn horse for everyone, but I'm not sure this barn has one. Oh, my first gut is like the a neighbor. Mm-hmm. If okay. anyone else owns anything in the middle, of, yeah. I've, I've driven through there. It's Yeah. Yeah. So that's a landlocked properties. Obviously, you've got the neighbors that are surrounding it. Maybe you could offer them a special deal on your litter box property. <laughs> no, that was that the was best. Great. My sloped litter box. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Other thing is, you know, maybe you can find a Walter White type character that wants to buy something like that. Wait, was Walter White the one that did like Breaking Bad? Yeah, I thought that. Was... Yeah, yeah. He are had some in... property in the middle of the are desert. Are you saying did he do it for use it for bad things? Well, yeah, that's where his lab was and everything. Where oh, he, that's he nice. made all the, the drugs pizza, and stuff. I'm just saying. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I guess I, I was saying that. I was joking, actually. Don't sell it to a drug manufacturer. Drug uh, manufacturer. Sell it to someone that just wants to be out in the middle of nowhere that doesn't care if it's landlocked, that just goes out there and, you know, does whatever. So If they can actually get out there. I, yeah, I, I think it would be also good for like, I, I pretend, I'm not pretend, I call them like penny slots. If you were, that other piece that you bought, I'm assuming you sold that off and you made money and this is just kind of like sitting there and with your IRA, you can't touch it. You can't contribute. It's like, you know, there's stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So a neighbor or yeah. an eBay auction or something eBay like that. eBay auction would be good. You know, a lot of those cheaper properties Facebook used to get sold on, on eBay. Uh-huh. Facebook marketplace. It's got to be cheap, obviously. Uh, you might be able to squeeze more money out of it if you take payments for some, from, for someone on it. But, you know, you also got to be up front and just say, hey, this is not the greatest property. It's sloped and it's landlocked and just be up front about all mm-hmm. that stuff. And that's why it's so cheap. And you'll find someone. Yeah. It's just a matter of how cheap you have to you go. You either dump it, really, or you hold on to it and you hope Pay that- Pay the property taxes every year and end up selling it really cheap. You know, your family sells it really cheap after you die. <laughs> I don't wow. Know. Pete's the motivational speaker here. <laughs> I um, think you could sell it. You got to sell it cheap, though, and move on from it. Yeah, I would, too. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any other, like, fun option, but- Anyways, that was another episode of Turning Profit. Yes, this was a good one. So Uh let's kind of recap where everyone can find all of our stuff. First of all, I haven't mentioned turningprofit.com. That's our website related to the podcast here. But on that website, we published a monthly income report. I promised we would do this. Yeah. Yeah. A monthly income report where Mm -hmm. we dive into the numbers of our business each and every month. Mm -hmm. The revenue we did, the gross profit we did, how many deals we bought. 
you know, like what each and every deal, like what we bought it for, what we sold it for, how much profit, return on investment, notes about that individual property. Like we go in depth on on each one of these things. So each and every month we do that and been doing it for quite some time. And the goal is to be as transparent as possible so you, others can see what is exactly involved in this business, like what purchase prices, cabin, what profit margins are there. And uh, you can learn from many of the mistakes I make. And if you're competitive, they can try to beat Pete. Yeah, beat Pete. Beat Pete. Yeah. Also, your 51st deals. I like that one. Oh, yeah. So that's at the top. That's kind of an opt-in thing. It's kind of designed to get your email address so you can get on our on our email list. But we don't spam you. Don't worry. Do we send emails a lot? Yeah, I send out a, an email every once a week for the podcast to announce like, hey, there's a new episode. Okay. And, and, and then when we have special things going on. But it's not I'm, – I'm not spamming you, I promise. But in um, this 51st deals thing that you can sign up for, this is where I do a screen share and I go through – the 51st land flip deals we did, starting at number one, I talked about that deal, like what we bought it for, what we sold it for, what happened with that deal, how much we made, return on investment, everything. Was that but March of 2021? March of 2021. You're looking at my whiteboard right now. He Heather. keeps a whiteboard. I yeah. just, I, it's here all the time and I'm just looking at it right now and he keeps like at the monthly totals and everything. And, and how many properties we sold. Oh, I didn't even notice that part kind of it. Of and running totals about gross profit and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay. You should do the same if you're into this, because I think that it's super motivating. Yeah. Yeah. Someday I'm going to re- uh, publicly release my whiteboard. Well, it's the same stuff on our income reports. It's just I was like differently. It's... So it's the same stuff. But so anyhow, this 51st deals thing is like, that's our 51st deal. Mm-hmm. So you'll, you'll see exactly how our business progressed over time. And I've gotten a lot of feedback that that was super valuable for them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's longer. I think it's like an hour and a half or something like that. But you don't have to watch it all in one sitting if you don't want to. Yes, I do. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, In order to get you to do certain businesses that I wanted to do and in order for me to do businesses that you've wanted to do, we've used this kind of material yes. um, because it solidifies like, okay, if other people are doing it, we can do it. We have faith in ourselves. If that clown Pete is able to do it, I can do it too. Exactly. So I think it's super motivating. Mm -hmm. And I say I think a lot and I just think that it's important that I... Okay. Say that. All right. Other places you can find us, obviously, mm-hmm. landconquest.com. That's where you get access to our community, our training program, and all the cool stuff that we've got coming very soon. And then also social media, at Reese Peter. That's my Instagram name. And then as well on YouTube is another big one. And that's at Turning Profit on YouTube. And then also on X, at Pete Reese. The platform formerly known as Twitter. The platform formerly known as Twitter. And I'm on TikTok and stuff too, but you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not such a great dancer. You're on threads so. too, right? Threads. I'm on thread. <laughs> posted threads one is the thing. same as Instagram. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, Facebook pages mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff as well. But anyhow, what about you, Heather? Where, where can people find you? I'm pretty much It's a Lovely Life everywhere. Okay. Except for X platform firmly known as Twitter. Mm-hmm. It is a lovely life. Okay. It is a lovely life. Okay. Yeah. Right. But I don't talk about real estate at all. So unless you're looking for like, you know, rainbows and puppies sunshine and rainbows okay mm-hmm. all right so that's it um anyways that was awesome and i look forward to seeing you guys all next week we'll see you next week bye all right bye ready to start turning profit yourself head to turningprofit.com to step up your real estate investing game see you on the next episode